Welcome to episode 30 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I'm one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I am your other host, Mr. Paul Robinson. And today... Today. Today, we have a very special, very... I'm very excited about this guest. Very excited, actually. I've, I've been listening to his podcast for a very long time. Um, and my history with him goes back even further, but we'll get into that. <laughs> we'll, we'll geek oh, out in that. Uh, soon, but it's uh, Mr. Alex Ferrari. Thank you so much for coming Yay! on to the podcast. Thank you, thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been it's an absolute. I'm humbled and pleasure to be here, and I'm here to serve. So ask me anything. <laughs> okay, so when you were seven, <laughs> yes, specifically yes. on yeah. the fourth of At November, one time <laughs> I have I was young and needed the money. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, where where would if people don't know where you're from, where would we know you from? Yeah. Um. Well, I run uh, indiefilmhustle.com. Uh, which is a uh, resource uh, blog for filmmakers, screenwriters, content creators. Uh, and I also run uh, the Indie Film Hustle podcast, which I've been a host of and I've had that for um, going now close to four years. Uh, and we're getting close to 300 episodes on that ep- on that show. Nice. And then I just launched uh, this year uh, the Bulletproof Screenplay podcast, which is another podcast dedicated strictly to screenwriting and storytelling uh, as well. And uh, and then I have many other things in the film hustle television, which we'll talk about uh, and other stuff like that. But that's basically where I know. And I'm a writer, director. I've directed a uh, couple features, but I've been in the business for 25 years. I've done a lot of post-production over the years. I've probably finished 50, 60 feature films in my day as a post supervisor, VFX supervisor. Uh, and I've directed commercials, music videos and things like that. So I've been around. I keep busy. Are there extra hours to your day that we don't yeah. get? I don't. <laughs> how many hours are in I'm not LA sure where you purchased LA. those, yeah. but yeah. I've actually learned how to slow time down with a watch. Nice. So oh, I just nice. turn this watch down, and everything slows down a little bit. So I'm really getting 46 hours. Nice. You guys get. That's the way I get. That's marketable. <laughs> if I've ever heard of anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my history with you, just on yes. my end, of course, started with a little film called Broken. Oh my god. Which, <laughs> <laughs> So, because I purchased a DVX 100B. And oh, you you got the fancy one. I got the A. You got yeah, the B. I got the B. Because, well, not because it was fancy, just because I was late to the game. And I was like, well, I might as well get this one now. <laughs> um, I don't know what it really had. Did it have anything really extra I don't even remember what the difference was, yeah. I think there was a color. I think the, the letter. Was yeah. There was A and B, and that was pretty much but it. that film, to me, was like, wow, this is, like, really impressive what somebody who knows what they're doing can do. Just, you know, proof positive that. It's more about the person than the equipment, right? I mean, it's something that's, you know, become more and more evident as time goes on. Everyone thinks they could just buy red and everything looks pretty and beautiful. But um, to me, that was just like, wow, if you really know what you're doing and you light your scenes and you, you know, you, you compose your shots and you are telling a good story and all this stuff that you can make pretty much almost anything look pr- fairly cinematic with any kind of camera. So I even bought the DVD and watched all the behind the scenes stuff. And the DVD, yeah, it was a DVD. <laughs> well, this that, is, that's, that's how VHS, far back we, we're going. Yeah. And we didn't bring, we didn't release the VHS special edition. Right? We released the DVD special, <laughs> the Betamax. Edition. All right. So I was I I was uh, very impressed with that. Obviously, so um, I kind of always had you on the radar. That just kind of poking in every once in a while, seeing what you're up to. And then you started the podcast, and I started listening to that, and I thought it was amazing. So I just continue listening. 
Um, so that's my history with you. <laughs> yes, I, I I appreciate you buying it. That DVD has, man, I can't tell you how much mileage I've gotten off that little movie, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, we're talking about it. What now? Thir- 13 years, eight, no, wait, I released it in 05. So 13 years yeah. now, over 13 years. And, and we're, and people still talk to me about that yeah. DVD. Uh, and because and it was, movie. it was like, it was, you know, there was so much behind the scenes. There was a whole story about how you marketed it. I mean, it was really just kind of a great case study into how to, um, you know, how to really like invest into your film from beginning to end, you know, when you're pre-production, then production, post-production, and then the marketing of it. So for me, it, it was, was like the first time I saw someone actually, oh, wow, there's like a whole thing to this. It's not just <laughs> let's go make a film with our friends. This was like, okay, let's. You know, the stages really kind of became more apparent to me within that, within that. I, I, I appreciate that, that little, that, that, look, I, and I, I would like to say I had a master plan. I would like to say <laughs> that this was all part of this massive strategy I had, but it wasn't. I literally, I knew there were certain things I had ideas about, but then when I, when I got done with the film, I'm like, well, no one's going to pay me for this. Like, who's going to pay, who's going to buy a DVD with nobody stars in it and, mm. Like, well, let me put together a film school. And I'm like, okay, I could do that. And I spent, I literally, I still remember, I spent six weeks straight, like 10 to 12 hour days editing all of that content wow. and putting it all together. And also there was nothing like that in the marketplace. Well, and people right. listen, yeah. you have to think, people listening, this is 04, 05. So YouTube was just being born in 05. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they came out in 04. Google hadn't even bought them yet. So there was no information about how to make an independent film out there. I know it's so hard to even fathom that right. now. <laughs> yeah. But at the time, there was nothing, especially with tools that we can afford. Like uh, th- there was the Robert Rodriguez DVD commentaries. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And the 10-minute film schools. And I'm like, Robert, that's great, but I don't got 7 or $10 million to go mm-hmm. make this. Right. I got a DVX 100A and I've got Final Cut. And let me show you how to do it with those tools. And I saw I saw a hole in the market, and I was like, let me let me see if I can help some people out with this. And it it blew up beyond my comprehension. I'm st- like, literally, we're still talking about it. Right, right. Well, <laughs> I wanted to get that out of the way before we get to the really cool but yes, stuff. Yes, but it, it, it was it was the beginnings of what I do with Indie Film Hustle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish, God, I wish I would have had my ego out of its out of its out of my way, and I would have continued down that path. But I didn't. I said, well, I'm not I'm not a teacher. I'm a filmmaker. I'm not gonna just do this all the time and just show people how I make movies. I got to go out and make movies. And, mm-hmm. and if I would have <laughs> just kept going down that path, opened up a YouTube channel and kept going down that path, I would literally would have owned this entire space of how to make movies. Right. Yeah. Uh, Cause nobody else was doing it. Right. Um, so I, so I waited ten years and then I opened up Indie Film Hustle. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm late, but I'm I'm trying. It's one of those things where like I used to, I had like hundred shares of Apple stocks back. In- oh, don't even get me started with Apple stocks. Oh, don't even get me with Apple stocks. Seven dollars. Oh my God. Oh God. So I what? A clone. I bought an Apple clone. Oh I had wow. An Apple clone. That's how I'm. I, Apple runs deep in the bloodstream here. I drank the Kool Aid long, long. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually just recently jumped ship. And Dude, a, yeah, I bought a PC. Uh, oh, well, that's the end of this conversation. It was great. Yeah. I was love. It was great being a guest of yours. I gotta go. <laughs> Fuck this show. Hey, hey, you know what? We got ProRes now. It's all good. Oh yeah, exactly. Hey, whatever tools work, man. Yeah. It's always whatever work. Yep. 
Um, so what then what, like, I mean, I guess you kind of got into it, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you, I'm just going to be in the room cause you're uh, fanboying. So yeah. I'm here for this. Well, just how you, you <laughs> took broken and then you kind of morphed it into indie film hustle, which you kind of just, um, you know, touched on now, but I guess, you know, where, like, where in the process did you, were you like, you know what, this is, this is me full, full time, hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like, when did you kind of like... So from broken to Indie Film Hustle or from like when I started Indie Film Hustle now? Yeah, exactly. When, you, when you're like, oh, you know, because I'm sure when you started Indie Film Hustle, it wasn't like a full-time thing for you. Or was it? Maybe no. it was. No. So I, I, I've, I've mentioned this many times on my show. Um, I actually uh, left the business slightly. I always had a foot in it. I always did a little job here or there, but I kind of got burnt out from doing a, a lot of posts on these really bad Eric Robert, Michael Madsen films. What are you talking about? Michael Madsen is uh, that's quality film. Right there. Well, it is when Tarantino's involved, but other than that, yes, it's that's not. true. <laughs> um, and you know, look, one year I literally worked on three Eric Roberts films and I was like, I was chasing money with distributors and it was just, I burned out. So I decided for whatever godforsaken reason is I opened up a gourmet shop. In Los Angeles, it was the it was an olive hey, oil and vinegar tasting <laughs> shop, and uh, and from there I went down this three year odyssey of the worst three years of my life, uh, working harder than I've ever worked before for as little money as possible, and uh, it was just brutal. It was brutal. Though there'll, there'll be a book about that whole thing, I'm sure, one day. But <laughs> last year, before we decided to leave the business, I started to think about. Hey, I would love to open up an online business. Uh, I think that might be the right because I read a book called The Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Yeah, I know that and book. Yeah. That, that book kind of opened my eyes to like, oh, wait a minute, people can make a living with an online business. So I was like, okay. And then I took the next year and I learned everything I could about online marketing, uh, social media, affiliate marketing, uh, creating content, uh, every everything I could about the business of an online business. And then, of course, because I'm an idiot, I um, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I told my wife, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna do this. And she's like, she's super supportive. She's like, yeah, sure, you know, do that. That would be great. And I'm like, I'm gonna be like the jelly bean dude. Like, I need to find a niche. <laughs> yeah. So my niche is gonna be jelly beans. Like, but she, she's like, you don't know anything about jelly beans. I know, but I'll learn about jelly beans. <laughs> jelly beans. Like, I'll have the blog and the, the podcast and uh, about jelly beans. And she's like, you're an idiot. Why don't you talk about film? I'm like, I know I'll talk about film. I was still that, that ghost of the broken, the broken ghost was still on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you want to you want to be taken as a serious filmmaker. You know, you don't want to be just teaching people. And that ego got caught in the mind until finally I just said, you know what? She's absolutely right. Let me just go full force into creating something for film because it's what it really. And I'm like, and after I after that decision was made, I was like, well, this just makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. So. <laughs> I launched Indie Film Hustle uh, a month before we quit doing or we closed the business. And then, so we were in real, I was in bad, I was in a pretty bad financial place because I hadn't really worked a lot. So I I had to kind of rev that back up, like to do posts, like everybody, hey guys, I'm open for business again. Mm -hmm. While I'm running this little online startup, you know, which is called Indie Film Hustle. So it was a difficult time, but I just, I had the, um, the support of my wife that she just kept going like, you just got, this is going to go somewhere. You just got to keep pounding it. And I did. And I, those early days of indie film hustle, I, man, did I pound it. Like you could not go anywhere online without seeing yeah. a post of mine. 
somewhere. <laughs> I was pretty crazy. Uh, but then it just started to build from there. And uh, I launched the Indie Film Hustle podcast like a month or two after I launched the, the blog. And that kind of took off very quickly. Within three months, I was the number one filmmaking podcast on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just kind of took off from there. And I became pretty much full-time this year. So like basically at the beginning of 2018, I I did maybe one or two jobs this whole year other than Indie Film Hustle mm-hmm. for friends, for doing posts and things like that. If mm-hmm. If it's... If it's a job and it's like, if it's a friend that I know is not going to give me a hard time, you know, as right. you get older, you just, the level of BS you put yeah. up with just goes <laughs> down. Oh, yeah. Um, so I just started fully pumping my energy into Indie Film Hustle and it's turned into now my full-time job. So now my full-time job is Indie Film Hustle, uh, Indie Film Hustle TV and, uh, and, and providing help, content, uh, inspiration, uh, and uh, education to uh, to the tribe, my Indie Film Hustle tribe, as much as I can. Nice. Tribe member <laughs> here. <laughs> I appreciate that, brother. Um, so so let's talk about Indie Film Hustle then, because the, t- the TV, because I, I'm just, it just, it's one of those things that comes out and you're like, oh my God, why hasn't this been out for like five years somehow, somewhere? You know what I mean? Indie Film Hustle TV was the I, I had the idea to kind of launch a streaming service dedicated uh, just to filmmakers, screenwriters, content creators, artists in general, and I like there's nothing like it in in the world. There's no, there is no uh, Netflix for filmmakers out there. Um, there's I mean if you and by the way if you go to Netflix and type up filmmaking you'll get a big goose egg. Yeah. Like, there's not a documentary about filmmaking because honestly it is a small niche. Right. It, but it when is, you're I, in it, it's like your world. And you're like, why yeah. doesn't this exist? I mean, there's there's a lot of membership sites out there. There's a lot of places where you can like, you know, if you go to Amazon, you can search for a ton of like documentaries and things like that. But there, you got to hunt and peck. There's mm-hmm. not one place where it's all sitting. And I decided to kind of not only do um, like documentaries about filmmaking behind the scenes – Feature films about document about, about excuse me feature films about filmmaking and screenwriting. I wanted to include those as well, but then also a place where you can get really high quality education. So you can get like master class style courses on filmmaking um, and post and things like that. And then you uh, and then I started going into the art house uh, label that I launched, which is all about me picking out a film that I want to spotlight. That is an art house film. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not for everybody. It's an art house film. Uh, and then coming up. In the next month or two, I'm launching Indie Film Hustle TV Drive-In Cinema, which is going to be my grindhouse, my favorite kind of like funky, crazy films. That's great. Um, that stuff like that that you might not see. Mm-hmm. And um, how do you curate all these films? I I curate them. I just, just go like oh, just go find. Them. I hunt back, man. I I'm the one that's doing all the work right now mm-hmm. until I can afford to hire a team to kind of go on search stuff for me. But right now, I'm the one hunting peck, and I'm the one calling up the distributors and going. I think this film will do really well on the platform. I think this will do it. You know, give me a chance, uh, and and that's how I'm doing it. So I'm I'm literally just bringing in and licensing content while I'm uh, I'm also working with uh, course creators and educational partners to bring their education into IFH TV. And then now coming in the new year, I'm going to be creating a lot more of my own content as well. So it, it's a mini Netflix, is what it is. Yeah. You know, it's it's it is it is Netflix meets Masterclass. But for filmmakers, screenwriters, content creators, and artists, I think so. it's even more than that because I think you're getting, yeah, I mean, you're getting the masterclass stuff, and you know, there's it's 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 much more niche, but it's much more broad in terms of what's available on the site. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, they, like, I'm trying to broaden it because again, I'm I'm kind of going at this from I, again. I don't have a master plan. I have somewhat of a plan, but I don't yeah. have a master plan. So when I launched it, I'm like, I'm just going to do this or this, and then I was like, well, wait a minute, uh, this. Goes. So you have to kind of adjust and pivot as you move forward. And oh, sure. I can't I can't make IFHTV everything for everybody. So I have to stay within my parameters that I've set for the service. So it has to have certain things. But then I kind of loosened up a little bit, like, well, let me do art house because. I get I get offered these films. I'm like, well, no one's seen this film. Mm-hmm. It's a good film. Why can't it be here? You know, and like, and, oh, why can't I get that short film that's about filmmaking on here? Think, things like that. So um, there's so many things I want to do with IFHTV and that it's available on Apple TV, on Roku, on Amazon TV, as well as uh, the apps are coming out uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, so they'll be available on Apple and Android apps. So you can... I mean, we're going to be everywhere. Uh, right. There's eventually. no excuse not to watch it. Not really, not really. <laughs> and uh, it's 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 a labor of love. It's a lot of work. Oh, it's a really lot imagine. of work. And I'm 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 doing all the promos. I mean, if you if you're a member of, or subscribe to the YouTube channel, every day I put out new content, uh, new trailers for content coming out. And then starting January, I'm not going to do it once a month dump. I'm doing a weekly dump. So every week there's new content um, to keep people interested and, and excited about what's going on. Uh, and there's many, many plans for the future as well. But yeah, that's what IFHTV is right now. Is there wow. something that you look for particularly when you're looking for films? I mean, you know, like uh, I think for us when, you know, when we started, we always wanted to have better quality, but we didn't know how to get it. You know, and then you, you once you start kind of like building that up, you start looking back on stuff that you thought was good and you're <laughs> oh. like, oh man, that wasn't good. So, you know, that I, I feel like sometimes I feel like, oh man, I feel like kind of snobby that I'm kind of crapping on somebody's lighting, but that looks bad. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you, um, just from my own, my own site, uh, that alone, I mean, you go back to the first few podcasts I did. I, I cringe like, <laughs> listening to myself. It's horror. I'm sure you guys do too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did that last podcast. week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you listen to yourself and um, my favorite was, I had um, – do you guys know the Film Trooper podcast? No. no I don't know that one. It's, yeah, it's, if, if you type a Film Trooper, it's uh, Scott McMahon runs Film Trooper and, and we had a mastermind uh, with a bunch of other podcasters who were in the space of filmmaking – and they like, dude, Alex. You know, we love your podcast, but like, <laughs> your your tones like changes dramatically. So if you go back to those early episodes, you hear my opening, which is like this epic, like, enter the back streets of New, you know, LA. Come, <laughs> and here's your host, Alex Ferrari. And then you hear me going, "Hi hey guys, how are you doing today?" <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope you guys are. So it was like you could just hear me. Just now, I'm a complete. It's different. I, I just yeah. have fun with it. I, more confident i better be after almost 300 episodes um well yes but to go back to your old content uh is rough sometimes and to look at old movies that you might have thought were good i mean well i mean i thought john claude van damme was the greatest actor of all time in the 80s (laughs) you know they don't hold as well um just don't hold as well but i mean the splits are pretty epic though you know you gotta (laughs) and isn't it funny those those like those first 10 or 15 films 
they always work to split it. Yeah, yeah. Like even in, like even in raise that like this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why are you? Because they knew even then it's we got to hang on to something. The splits are epic. Just focus on. I know. Splits. I, remember when he, I remember his peak was Time Cop. That was like Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. Like that was his big big movie Time Cop for John Clavado. I'm sorry, we're going off topic for a second. That's what we but do. When, That's what we do. <laughs> It, um, but when he like there was a fight sequence in his kitchen and he literally to avoid getting shocked on the floor, he jumped on the kitchen counter, and did a split on the kitchen <laughs> counter. <laughs> Dude, like you just try to find a way to do that split, bro. Bless me. John Claude. But when I look for content, but when I look for content now for IFH TV, I'm looking for anything that's film related. So, you know, if anything, if it's a movie about filmmaking, if it's a documentary about filmmaking, uh, unless it's completely horrific, I generally will accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, anything, obviously, for screenwriting or uh, and even content creation. So we've got a podcasting documentary up on there now, which is great if you're in, into podcasts called Earbuds, um, which just explores like the top podcasts in the world. And you talk to all the hosts and stuff. It's pretty cool. That's weird. Um, we didn't, we didn't get that's what I didn't get the yeah, call about our podcast being on there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay um but uh but yeah so I, that's what i look for and then as things grow and kind of morph into other things like for art house indie i look for things that are specifically art house and very indie and so the first one i launched with which was uh, a friend of mine's film when sundance uh Obsolidia, which was done for a hundred thousand dollars no stars in it and i loved it I love that film so much. I worked on it, but I also loved it. And she was she was uh, kind enough to let me launch with that. This month, I launched the film called The Garden, which has never been seen by mm. and it. It has it never played at festivals, but it's this like Terrence Malick style film. So it's like two and a half hour. If you like Terrence Malick, you'll love The Garden. But it's stunning. It looked gorgeous, and I and I was approached by the filmmaker, and I was like, well. Can I have an exclusive on this for at least like six months? So like I'm I'm talking like I'm Netflix here. It's great. So like <laughs> it's an IFH exclusive, and it is. So I have it for like I think a year or something like that. So you can't watch it anywhere else, but it's great. Next month's new one is called The Layover, which was uh, by one of my guests, Joshua Caldwell, who did this movie for six thousand dollars. And that's the my layover, kind of budget right there. <laughs> that movie uh, it was about. It, he did it all in French. He's not French, but he did it all in French. <laughs> film kind of uh it takes place on a layover in, in la you know and these two you know get together for 10 hours and what happens you know at night so those are the kind of films i'm looking for um and i'm still looking for a lot more um you know i have another one um i'm trying to negotiate uh that has a couple uh stars that you might recognize but again very indie uh and just stuff that i just feel so right now i'm the one that's just picking whatever i want to go on i was like hey that's that's cool i want to put that on yeah. uh and and then for the drive-in cinema, that's the fun stuff. That's yeah. the crazy, you know, <laughs> hobo with a shotgun style stuff that I'm going to be bringing. So I'll put in horror films there. I'll put in uh, my first one. I think it's called. I'm releasing that one next month. Uh, the Fist of Fury and the Golden Fleece or something like that. It's like it's so crazy. Mm-hmm. It stars every '80s action. Don the Dragon Wilson's in it. Oh, Michael nice. Dudek. Uh, Tiny Lister's in it. Of course, wow. Danny Trejo's in it. That's the law. Um, <laughs> uh, so all those kind of films are coming out as well. So I- I'm just having a really good time, and I'm trying to create as much value for my subscribers as humanly possible. That's all. That's, so are you seeking mainly feature length? 
Film shorts, no, shorts, uh, shorts, I'm going to be a little bit more tight on. So it's got to be filmmaking. If it's a short about filmmaking, screenwriting, content creation, about acting, anything about that world, absolutely something that we would look into. If it's outside of that, it'd have to be something real special. I have not launched anything short wise uh, that's not on specifically on theme or, or specifically on the niche that we're trying to create with IFHTV. It's just too much. Right. Like I can't be everything for everybody. Mm -hmm. And maybe change in the years to come that I'll have, you know, a, sh a, a short film spotlight. Um, I mean, we have Sriracha, the documentary on, but we also have like, you know, hours of how he made it. Yeah. So that makes sense. Mm -hmm. We also have another little short called Shush, uh, which is like people talking in the film, in the theater. And that's just <laughs> a little comic that this, this, this filmmaker made. I found it and he's like, yeah, I'd love to have it on your platform. So I'm constantly looking for stuff like that. So if anyone listening has films like that, we have series, also web series that are going to be uh, being put out there as well that are filmmaking based as well. So if it's a story about actors trying to make it in LA, which there are a few web series like that, mm -hmm. or screenwriters, filmmakers, I'm open to all that kind of stuff. Yeah, because we, we talked recently about how we just love the – the form of the short film. There's nothing yeah, wrong with narratives, what? obviously. It's not like, oh, narrative, whatever. But just... Um, we just can't afford them. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, there's that, obviously. <laughs> but just the, the ability to tell uh, a coherent story from beginning to end in 20 minutes versus an hour and a half is usually... There's a challenge pretty, to yeah, it. Yeah, it's challenging. And I, I, I just, I don't know. There's just something in short films that I love watching. As, I think as, short much, as, as much as feature lengths. Well, short films, I think, are going to be more and more popular as we we go on in time because in Europe, it's very they're very popular in Europe. Um, and with this kind of mobile content absorption, people want something quick. Mm -hmm. So if you got a three or four minute uh, short or a series of shorts, that's going to work a lot better than doing maybe a twenty minute short. Like twenty minute shorts, you're now asking a lot. I learned this lesson with Broken. It was way too long, and it, and even though it got into like a lot of festivals um it, it, it could have been an even more because of the programming mm -hmm. so if you're gonna make a short three to five minutes is the sweet spot generally speaking yep. uh and you can you can do very well with them you can do very well with them. if you keep that budget low there are places where you can monetize them uh and get them out there if you get a sponsor meaning like you know it's a you know, you uh, the, remember the BMW shorts back in the day yeah. that they venture produced and shot and directed and all that kind of stuff if you can find something like that, that's that's money. If you can get paid to do a short and it's a you know it's a kind of an ad, but it's not. Yeah, because those I, those BW shorts were amazing. Yeah, I think, I and I think a lot of, um, I mean, because so many people like don't want to deal with ads, you know. So I feel like right. a lot of of uh, the commercialization of uh, products and stuff is is becoming more and more narrative driven, you know. So it's like mm -hmm. you have. Um, somebody wanting to sell something, but the the quote unquote commercial for it is is basically a five minute or three minute or two minute whatever short film. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I, I like that trend personally because it's it is you know, happening. It is going towards that direction, and, and and people. I mean, you could look at it. There's sponsored content constantly because film uh, uh, advertisers are starting to figure out that we just don't want to see ads. Yeah. It's just it's just not good. You've got to incorporate them. We're too slick now. Yeah. We're starting to get a little bit too savvy about it. And yeah, they still work. You know, ads still work, but they're annoying. And this, in the future will not be interrupting mm -hmm. your, it's going to be much smoother, sneak it in kind of through entertainment uh, vibe. And that's where I think all advertising is going to go. Uh, and also influencer based advertising, which yeah. is another 
conversation. So when you watch those shows and it's like a big pan down to the Subaru symbol and then back up to the person, you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any Michael Bay movie. Any Michael Bay yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. hundred of those logos. Yeah. Everywhere. We've seen that a couple times in certain series. Open like, up a Gee. Windows laptop. Here yeah. you go. I wonder who <laughs> oh, yeah, sponsored this film. Has, you know who's a sponsor. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, that's an Apple sponsor. That's a Microsoft sponsor. The Got camera it. just sits on that. Yeah. Laptop a but little I could, I too long. I certainly tolerate that more so than a 15 second pre, at, you know, yeah. pre-run ad on YouTube or something. Yeah. Right. Right. Without question. So, yeah. So I guess that begs the question, then why go with a, um, you know, when you chose the model, the, you know, the um, subscription-based model for Indie Film Hustle, why go with the payment versus working ads in? Um, is it for I, that I, reason you just wanted a seamless experience for the? Yeah, I wanted I wanted Netflix guys. You know, I didn't I wanted a Netflix for filmmakers. That's what I wanted. I wanted to create something that hadn't been created before, and I wanted I wanted something that was like you know you pay, you know right now it's ten ninety nine a month. Uh, it's gonna go at the end of January. It jumps up to regular price, which is thirteen ninety nine a month. So it won't go back down to ten ninety nine a month ever again. Um, and for that price. I'm trying to provide as much value as possible. The business model of that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I have friends of mine who have similar services in different niches, and I saw what they were doing with it. I was like, well, I mean, and their niches are much broader, much bigger than what I, you know, what filmmaking is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not. I don't need billions of dollars, and I just, I just want to be able to make a living, mm-hmm. provide good value to people, uh, help people along the way, and if I can make my own art along the way. By doing, by helping people, my God, we're in a great, that's not that amazing. Yeah. You know? I, I think that's, it's very tricky too, as, as I'm sure you, you, you know, where, you know, cause we, we want to do the same thing. We do this podcast. If I ever finish our, our latest short film ever, <laughs> uh, I want to start kind of documenting the process of, you know, if I'm like, because that's the thing I do, right? If I'm just sitting here, I'm like, you know what? I want to light this, our kitchen in a new way. I want to try a new lighting thing. Well, I'm going to do that. I might as well, I might as well film it because then if I, if I mess it up, someone can learn from that. And if I, and if it looks great, someone can learn from that as well. Um, but then along the way, you don't want to lose sight of the fact that you want to sit and make films as well. You know what I mean? And that's always been a tricky thing for us because there's so many things we want to do. The mm-hmm. podcast, I, I, you know, we do everything. So I have to edit the films. I have to do any post-production and all, a lot of the audio. So, yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> no, without question. Look, it's something that... Um that I, I, I battle with all the time. I could have easily shot four, four features this year if I wanted to. I could have done one a quarter because I did, at the beginning of the year, I shot um, my feature on the corner of Ego and Desire, which we shot it at Sundance, um, which is my love letter to independent, independent filmmakers. It's like Spinal Tap for filmmakers. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's pretty brutal, <laughs> but it's all true. Um, and I shot that in four days and we did it for about 3,000 bucks. Uh, it was insane. Uh, but I could have easily made another three of those movies in LA if I wanted to. But then I was like, well, I, it's not kind of where I'm at right now. Like it's as an artist, I love doing what I'm doing with Indie Film Hustle. I love the feeling of helping people. I love the feeling of creating, uh, content that really impacts people. I mean, I'm sure you guys get this every, you know, guess this as well, but you know, I get emails and messages from people around the world who said, oh my God, I listened to that one episode and it really helped me through this really tough time or it got me off my ass to go do something. I mean, that is so powerful. Like as an artist, you want to impact people yeah. with your work, 
whatever that work might be. I still love making movies. I will never stop making movies. In one way, shape, or form, I'll always make some sort of film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd love features uh, specifically uh, at this point, maybe series later. Um, but it, it's just something that I, I love doing, and it's addictive. It's kind of addictive when yeah. you got you start helping people and people start hitting you back. You're just like, oh wow! And like I, I, I like I was out in uh, at AFM uh, this year at American Film Market. And I was just at one of the AFM parties, and I was stopped a bunch of times by by, by tribe members from a, like from like from Finland, from <laughs> Brazil, and I'm like, like, what's going on? It's so odd to me, like, because all you do, like, you guys know, you're just talking into a microphone into the dark into in a dark room. You don't know who's listening, mm-hmm. and your stuff that you guys are doing uh, is impactful. It does actually help people. Yeah, but the, uh, the thing the thing for you that that drew me to listening to your stuff is that your passion comes through in in what you're talking about, how you're how you're talking about it, and all, so I think that's what draws people. Like I feel like when I listen to you on your podcast, I feel like we're in the same boat here. He loves mm-hmm. making films. I love making films. What does he have to say? There could be nuggets that I'm taking away from. Like I th- what was the one I just listened to you did recently? Oh, with the uh, the the guy who did the the um the documentary on Final Cut, yeah yeah that yeah one? Brad Brad oh, Olson yeah that was I love I love that one and I was I don't use Final yeah. Cut I'm not a Final right. Cut guy not that there's anything wrong with it I don't care what you use but it was just so entertaining to me but it, it had, was a good yeah no it was okay. just just something that you know I can relate to I can relate to it because of how it was being um you know spoken about and mm-hmm. and how you guys were diving into it. I think the one thing, one nugget of, 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 as I call a knowledge bomb, uh, that I can drop for people listening is the key to any successful art, whether it make film, whether it be a podcast, whether it be a book, is to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And that authenticity is what people react to in today's very, very skeptical world. You know, this is not the 40s or the 50s where people could just be walled over by a, you know, a, a snake oil salesman. Mm-hmm. Today, everyone's so much more media savvy that if you're faking it, they smell it. If you're faking it, making a movie, or writing a book, or doing a podcast, or any of it, man, we can smell it a mile away. Mm-hmm. So if I would have done the jelly bean thing, nah, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't <laughs> have worked because I don't even like jelly beans. Uh, so it's like... I, I poser, like, poser, I jelly like, bean poser. Like jelly bean poser. He doesn't even eat jelly beans. So, um, but when I start talking about something I'm really passionate about, um, that passion, I, I don't have to fake it. It's just me. So it's like, it's like people always say, always tell the truth because it's a lot easier to remember. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's the, and that's the truth with with yourself as an artist uh, and as as someone who's trying to create something for the world and, and, you know, share your point of view with the world, that authenticity is so, so, so important. Uh, and I think that is one of the reasons why, um, my podcast and my platform has grown, um, so much over the years is because I, I just didn't care. I wasn't trying to, I never, if you, if you listen to me, I never tried to kowtow to something or try to make it like sugarcoat it. I'm mm-hmm. super because this business is effing brutal. Yeah. Like it's brutal. It will, as, 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 uh, Rocky Balboa, as, uh, Sylvester Stallone says, like it will bring you down to your knees, mm-hmm. um, multiple times in your career. And if you don't have that strength to stand up 
it, it'll keep you down there forever. And that's what I try to, I try to, I try to punch you with the reality, but I also try to pat you on the back, like, but it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. a real fine balance. Like I try to inspire, but I try to be a little, real. little tough it's, love. This sucks, but it can be better. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly it is. Like if I always subscribe to Andy Fanon. You know, no, I always tell people follow your dreams, but don't be an idiot. And like, that's, that's, that's kind of the mantra. I'm like, I, God, man, follow your dream, but don't mortgage the house. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Like that's being idiotic. You know, I, I literally just did a tweet the other day. Some guys, uh, some, um, member was saying like, man, I have a real fear of, of moving forward. Like I have a fear of failure. I'm like, well, dude, if you can't get through that fear of failure, you'll never move forward. He's like, well, how about if I have no money? I'm like, and how much do you have? Do you have $10? Do you have an iPhone? Can you get an iPhone? Mm-hmm. Can you yeah. borrow someone's iPhone? Make it happen. Yep. But that also takes a tremendous amount of courage yeah. Yeah. to just put yourself out there. Like when I did my first film, This Is Meg, I was the DP on it. I had never done a feature before. I did an improv film. I didn't even know what the hell was going on. I was just like showing up on the day. I'm like, all right, guys, let's do this. As opposed to someone who's been very Hitchcockian and Fincher-esque with their storyboards and shot lists. I was mm-hmm. just like, we're going to shoot over here. All right, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> and I put myself out there in a very public forum, which was my podcast and my website. I'm like, mm-hmm. if I fail, I'm going to fail in front of everybody. But I just stopped giving a shit. Yeah. And that's the key. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, but then I, I think there's like, the only way that that, that can kind of go wrong is when we've talked about this a lot, like when somebody makes a film and I don't, you know, not, not to take shots at, at anybody, but it's like when somebody makes a film and mm-hmm. like you said, though, so they, they put everything they have into it. They mortgage the house, they sell everything for this one film. And then they ride that film for 15 years. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> if they're lucky, on. you know, like, if they're lucky, they can ride that film for 15 well, but years. Not, not successfully lucky. even. It's just, you know what I mean? It's they're talking yeah, it's about this film, film for fifteen years and I'm like, this film isn't even relevant anymore. Like, you know. So that's why, you, yeah. you know, it's like, well, yeah, we we put in we always put in our own money. We we mostly self-fund, we crowdfund, you know, I can't ask people to put their money in if I'm not willing to make a sacrifice, but I'm not gonna make myself homeless over it, you know. We we have to budget it in how much can we safely put in here i.e. what are we getting back in taxes this year you know so no vacation okay and then you know and and you throw it in and for me everything that i write and and that i act in is a gamble and we throw it out there and sometimes it's not what i thought it was going to be and in the beginning i would just be like oh my god i'm never writing anything again i'm not any good i don't want to do this and now i'm like what did i learn on this set, what did I learn from this film? Mm-hmm. What do I not want to do again? And I'll bring it into the next one because I just like doing it. And of course, it's always the, oh, well, it would be great if we could make money off this and, and actually have a career off making films. But if I never make money off of it, I'd still do it. Yeah. That's, that's you know? I'm still going to write. That's Even if it sucks, I'm still going to write. Yeah. <laughs> That's just, no, but that's that's the passion of an of, of a real artist. It's like if you're gonna do it, even if you didn't make any money on it, then that means you're doing it for the right reasons. I, I always tell people that well, first of all, failure is much better teacher than success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So every time you fail, fail and fail often is what I say. I've I've failed so many times in my life, um, epically even. 
that I learned so much from it. Uh, if you're going to be an independent filmmaker in today's world and you're going to try to make a living as an independent filmmaker, the, the biggest advice I could give everybody is learn as many uh, – put as many tools in that toolbox as humanly mm -hmm. possible. Learn how to edit. Learn how to shoot. Learn how to write. Learn, learn – do sound – like learn as many things as you can at the beginning so you can educate – because with, with This Is Meg, we did the sound. I had a crew of two people. Okay, two people. I had sound and I had my second camera. That was it. And I was the first camera. And my sound was, you know, the Mackie uh, or Tascam that I bought for 150 bucks with mm -hmm. a mic, a road mic and a pole. And then the PA of the day, I'd be like, all right, dude, here. Yeah. Hit the Go. <laughs> and oddly enough, I taught him how to like keep the mic close, but out of frame. And it worked out beautifully. Sounds yeah. that movie sounds pretty damn good for yeah. what it was. But learn as much as you can because at the beginning, if you can create your art on a budget, we have a very expensive art form. Yes. We're probably one of the most expensive art forms on the planet. Mm -hmm. So because of that, if you can keep those budgets low, you can experiment. You can have fun. You can you can take risks. Like, you know, like shooting on the corner of Vigo and Desire for three thousand bucks, right? That whole feature film. If it, like I didn't even know if I had a movie when I got back from Sundance. Like it just we were moving at such a clip that mm. it's in the hard drive. Let's see what happens. Yeah, you know I was just like, let's get to seventy five minutes. Just get to seventy five <laughs> minutes. Seventy five minutes is all I'm asking for. And we got to seventy five minutes. I was exactly it. There was like barely any fat on that movie. Like we almost used everything we shot. Yeah, it, but that's insane. That's not the way you make a movie. But for me, it worked. It, it made sense. Yep. But if I would have had a hundred thousand dollars. On the, on the line for that movie. You can't make that movie for that money. It yeah. doesn't make financial, physical sense. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you can keep those budgets really low, make your movie for a thousand, make your movie for two or three thousand bucks, try, you know, do like what uh, Dove Simmons said, you know, uh, if you go into a, a house, use your own house, write a story around what you have. If it's your house and your friend's houses, write stories around that because that's free. You know, or of course the classic, you know, take a bunch of teenagers up to uh to a cabin and, and chop them up. That's <laughs> yeah. Um, there's always an audience for it. Yeah, there's always an audience for that kind of film. So those are the things I would suggest filmmakers do because so many of them, it's kind of like I, I, there's no other art form you do this in. Like you know, like you know, I'm gonna just go build a building today. I'm gonna go buy a house. Right. I'm gonna build. A house. <laughs> yeah. Of, I'm gonna throw three hundred thousand dollars in. I'm going to mortgage my house and I'm going to go build a house. I've never built a house before. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it been built on that show on HDTV. So it can't be that hard. Right. right? right. And I'm going to just hire, you know, whoever I can help me out and, and put all this up there. And it's going to, you know, you don't do that. Yeah. But filmmakers do. Yep. And people do. That. I'm like, why? And if you have $200,000, if someone gave me $200,000, like go make a movie. I'm like, no. I'm going to go make like 10 movies. I was just yeah. going to say, I yeah. can make 10 movies out of that. Yeah. <laughs> 10 movies because financially, if you make 10 movies, you've got a, you've diversified your portfolio. Right. And mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, if one of those hits, it'll pay for the other ones. This is the studio system. This is what the studio system does. That's why Disney can afford to have an Alice in Wonderland sequel, Glass of, that dies yeah. Yeah. or John Walker, or one of these other big flops that they had um, because they've got, what they have Marvel and Pixar and Disney and Star Wars, but other than those, afford <laughs> uh, to. But look at Solo; that was a huge, you know, disappointment for for them. They still made money, but it was still a disappointment. But because they diversify their portfolio, and I think that's what filmmakers need to do: make a lot of little movies yep. in a year, as opposed to one big one. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And and then also, by the way, everyone you win, you make, you learn something, right? Yeah, right. exactly. And I mean, you're learning, you're learning, you know, ten times the lesson versus you know versus one film. You make ten films, you're going to learn ten times as much. Exactly. Yeah. I had a guest on um, Elizabeth uh, Thomas. She made six movies in three in two years, and and all of them were financed. They were like. I think forty or fifty thousand dollar movies. They're family inspirational kind of films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think some of them even lean towards um, not spiritual, but uh, faith based. Mm-hmm. And uh, she sold them all and distributed them. All. By the way, she had never directed a movie before in her life. She has only worked with actors. She was a a, a play director or a, wow. a stage director. Mm-hmm. Wow. And she just kept going. She keeps going, and she's just like making her movies. You know, and she's just like, I'm learning and this is great. But she's she didn't put all that money into one movie. Right. And it just makes the most sense. And I think so film I think a lot of times filmmakers get that that thing called ego mm-hmm. so and they get so far up their own ass. Yeah. Uh that they're just like, I'm gonna I, I need to be the next Tarantino, I need to be the next Fincher or the next yeah. Nolan. And anytime I hear filmmakers say that, I'm like, dude, I have to tell you something. We've got a Nolan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm Tarantino, we got a Fincher, and I promise you, you will never be as good of being Nolan as, as Nolan is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never be as good as as as, as Paul of, as being Paul as Paul is. You'll never be as good as being Alex as good as I am at it. Yeah, like you can never be someone else. You can be inspired by somebody else. Other people can help you on the path, but you've got to find your own voice, and that is the key for all art. You've got to find that voice that makes you unique to you and what you guys are doing. So, you know, if I went and started doing the Gorilla, the Go Gorilla film cast, it's going to be the Indie Film Hustle podcast. It was not gonna be, it's not going to be because that's that's my personality. That's who I am and vice versa yep. because that's who I am. And I think that authenticity is what shines through and people are attracted to in all forms of art. Yeah, I agree yeah. 100%. And I think that it kind of um, the whole conversation on budgeting and and expectations that's kind of been our we, we've joked like we're not anti-film school traditional film school if you go to film school whatever you go to film school but it's not necessary and the one thing that i would see a lot in people that went to film school is that you kind of get spoiled you know you're going to school you get all this great equipment and they kind of didn't know how to function unless they had those things you know and it was like well this isn't every set this is like uh and and i I, I equate everything to food because I'm, I'm, I'm a slob. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> when when I went to, to to culinary school, you know, I did I went to like a broken down culinary school. That's not even a school anymore. It's it closed. OK, it's like that's how great right. it was. And then I would meet the kids that would graduate from CIA. And when I when I was still working in, in kitchens, when we had to hire those kids, they were nightmares. Because they would come, yep. you know, with their $500 knife kit and roll it out. And I was like, that shit is not going to work here. Like, we, this is a kitchen. We're making burgers. Okay. Like, you know, right. that we don't need that. And so they had to relearn everything. And some of them would say like, geez, I, I never even thought a kitchen would be this hard. That was not, a, you know, a five-star kitchen. I thought I'd learned in the best. And it's like, no, you learn from experience. That's all great. It's great that you you interned in, in freaking Venice, but- you're not living in Venice, so you're you're living here in the states, and you got to learn, you know, how to run this kitchen on a budget, so to speak, in terms of how it is in, in filmmaking. And so I, you know, yeah, we wished we had better equipment and stuff, but I like that we kind of started from the bottom mm-hmm. and learned how to with work with what we have, camera. <laughs> with whatever hey, you have, you know, and and yeah, I wouldn't go back to it. 
you know, now that you know we are where we are, you just want to you want to keep jumping ahead. But you know, I, I actually had talked to somebody on, on on a set once. I was like doing extra work for, and they wanted to make a film, and they were talking about right away jump to the cliche of like, well, I don't have enough money to get my film until like Sundance. And I was like, well, you've never made a film. So why the hell are you shooting for Sundance as your first film? Like, don't worry about getting your film into Sundance. Just make the film. Yeah. And, mm. you know, kind of go from there. But that's kind of that mentality of like, it's the Tarantino that, well, if I can't be just as good as this person within a year, then why even bother? Yeah. Well, it's, it's like saying, like, I, if I can't write a symphony like Mozart, like, why am I even, why right. am I even picking up a pen, like, yeah. what or an instrument? Like, you can't think that. You'll never be Carlos Santana. You know, you're yeah. never going to be those guys. You know, these legends yeah. that they're, they're legends for reasons. You know, but you could be the best that you and are. And they weren't who they were when they started out either. They all start yeah, out. They somewhere. didn't fly out the womb like that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Mozart did, but other well, than yeah, Mozart, there, uh, <laughs> yeah, but he had the whole like tragic life thing going for him. So <laughs> there, there's that. Um, but no, we they all start somewhere. I mean, look, I mean, you look at. Uh, do you know that Nolan's first film, The Following, the following. got rejected from Slam Dance? Yeah, and then he resubmitted it the year after to Slam Dance again, and then he got in. Yeah, you know that's Christopher F. Nolan. You know, one of the best filmmakers in the planet right now, and. And it's just the way it is, man. All of them do. All of them. I mean, Tarantino was bumping around L.A. for years, for a decade before someone even looked at him twice. Yep. You know, it's just the way. It's just the way it is, man. We all have to hustle our own way. Uh, and people, people get in their own head, man. Filmmakers get in their own head so much. I was there. I mean, God, mm-hmm. I was so up my own ass for so many years. Um, you know, the thing with Broken when Broken hit. You know, I got a lot of attention. You know, I got, you know, I, I met Roger Ebert. He gave me a review back in the day. Um, I was flown around. I met studio heads off of a short film. Um, and I wasn't prepared for, for that kind of attention. So I got, I got so up my own ass for a little while that uh, till finally, uh, I always tell people like, oh, he's really getting too full of himself. I'm like, don't worry. The, uni- the universe or the business will take care we'll of that. We'll bring, you, bring <laughs> you back to where you it's need just, to be. <laughs> it's just, it, look, when you've got Steven Spielberg hustling money to make Lincoln at this stage in his career, yeah. if yeah. you got Scorsese hustling to make, uh, what was that last movie he did? Uh, the one with uh, Garfield in it. The, the one about the priests. I forgot oh, the name of it. Yes. Uh, we saw it. Silence. Yeah. Yeah, silence. silence, yes. He hustled that movie for like a decade to get money to make that movie. It's Martin Scorsese. Yeah, yeah because even so, Martin Scorsese, people want to see Martin Scorsese. When you think of silence, you don't think of Scorsese. And it's like, eh, I don't care who you are. No one wants to see that. But that's still his passion. Yeah. And that's what he wanted to do yeah. as an artist. He yeah. wanted to do it. Now we're waiting for the new Netflix uh, with the Irish mob one he's doing. Yes, which yes, I, yes. Irishman, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but that's just the way it is. So we, we all have to just be very, you've got to learn how to be comfortable within your own skin. And be okay with being who you are. And if you are, um, if you are that, then then everything kind of works out much better. And it took me a long time to be comfortable in my own skin. And that's the biggest that confidence of just like this is who I am, man. If you don't like it, it's not my problem. It's your problem. I'm yep. just I'm just doing me. Yep. And if you don't like doing me, change the channel, go to somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's all good. It's not my perception. It's 
your perception, yeah. but I'm happy doing with what I'm doing. And when you get to that place, my God, the freedom you feel when you just don't care of the good opinion of others. And it's not easy. It took me four decades or more to get there. Yeah. But now I'm here now and I just like, ah, oh, F it. I don't care. I'm just going to do me. Yeah. Yeah. It's extremely freeing, especially in filmmaking, because you want to make, you know, you, you can't chase after making films that you feel people will, will like. Yeah. I struggle with that a lot constantly. when I write stuff. Versus just making a film yeah. that you, this is the film that I want to make. And it, it goes back to what we've been saying about being uh, true to yourself. And if you're trying to make a film that will appeal to, you know, it's that old saying of like, when you try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody, mm-hmm. you know? And it's yep. like, you know, if you just make the film that you want to see, that way you can make 50 million of those films versus trying to make films that you feel people will, you know, either, you know, that friendly or for film fests or that'll do well on YouTube or whatever, you know, the more, you know, the, the truer that vision can be to what you want, the easier it is to make that. And you can have, you know, you can do that forever. Because I, I'm I'm going to pick apart my performance and my writing regardless. Yeah. That's just what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I might as well pick apart the film that I wanted to make. Yeah. And not pick apart all of that stuff and then go, this isn't even how I wanted this script to go. But I felt that people wouldn't get it. Yeah. So I changed it, which is what I'm going through now. Yeah. <laughs> With the, well, the I- script that I just finished. And you're just like, oh, man, are people going to get this? Is this too me? You know, yeah. and then, if, well, it should be me. It's my script, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think also one of the things that we do as, as filmmakers, screenwriters, artists, is we do beat each other. We beat ourselves up a lot. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we're very critical of our, our own stuff. And, and to a certain extent, you have to be somewhat critical, I guess. Mm-hmm. But the abuse that we put upon ourselves, we're more abusive to us than any critic could ever be. Yeah. Um, without 100%. question. Yeah. Um, but that is something that if you slowly start to let go of that kind of criticism of yourself and you start becoming again more comfortable with who you are, then it's a lot easier to create the art. It's a lot easier to create the work that you're trying to do because it's almost freeing. Listen to people when they say something like, and if it's, you know, if 10 people say, you know, this dialogue is on the nose, listen, but don't beat yourself up about it because it doesn't do anything good for you. Yeah. It doesn't help the art. It doesn't help you as an artist. Uh, you've got to, and it, like I said, there's a lot of things. I, this year alone that I did, like I look at my movies that I've made, and I'm just like, oh god. Like I did that. <laughs> I, I did. I did a movie called Red Princess Blues years ago. Um, it was like a fifty thousand dollars short film. This is this is when I was going for it. I just rolled the dice. I was like, this is it. This is the one that's. Gonna, I had I had I had the whole. I had a business plan ready for the feature. I had the feature script ready. It was covered. I had no. I mean, I'd beaten it up for two years. I was ready. And then what I was unfortunately doing was, and I only could say this now after years of looking back on it, is I that wasn't. It was me, but it kind of wasn't me because I was trying so hard to be Tarantino, to be Rodriguez. I was so, I, and you can smell it on the on the screen. I look at it now. I'm going, man, you were trying hard. And it's a beautiful, <laughs> and it was a beautiful film. It looks great. It was the best action. I mean, I worked with an amazing stunt team, and and you know, it, it was a great little experience. I even made an animated. A short on it as well. It was all sorts of stuff. I I went hard. I went hard on it. <laughs> but the point is it, that it didn't it didn't ring true. And because it didn't ring true, it didn't find the audience. There's a lot of people watching. They enjoy it and all that kind of good stuff. But it did not take off the way it should have taken off. Um, in my opinion, it was because I did not 
uh, it did not have me in it as much as it should have been. It was more about, it was more about um, trying to fit a whole like, oh, this guy's going to be the next mm-hmm. right, right. Robert Rodriguez or the next whatever. Be the first Alex. And that's the qu- and that is the key right there, Paul. Is mm-hmm. the key is you got to be the first Alex. You got to be the first Paul. Um, you got to be the first of yourself. Uh, and whatever you do, you know how many people. How after Pulp Fiction came out, how many right. Tarantino ripoff movies? Came yeah, out, yeah, right? yeah. How many people were trying to write like Tarantino? Like yeah. you know, Ten Things to Do in Denver when you're dead, and all these other movies that came mm-hmm. out right afterwards. You're just yeah. like, wow, man. Everybody's and it's still just, you. You still see it to this day. I've of, seen yeah. films and I've been like, wow, somebody watches a lot of Tarantino. Yeah. Well, he's like, you know, I always look at Tarantino like Eminem, you know, like he opened the door, but then he slammed it behind him. Like, it's hard to be like an, a white rapper. It was, it took a minute for another white rapper to show up. Right. Yeah. You know? And when and, they and do, they're they're ha- co- they'll constantly be compared. To Eminem, because yeah. he's the best. He was yeah. the best. And he's arguably one of the best, period, uh, regardless of color of skin. Um, and then Tarantino was the same thing. He like came in. He's like, look at this insane, beautiful dialogue. No one's ever done that. And I'm going to just shut the door right behind me because yeah. no one else could do this after me. You know, it's hard. So right. you just got to find your own, your own. Nobody voice, should own want path. to either. They should take inspiration from that. Like, wow, this guy did his thing. Um, but it's not like he was, he, it's not like he became famous because he was following somebody. You yeah. Know? But I think that falls into like where, where I, I've had the argument where I feel like you can't, teach somebody authentic creativity you're creative or you're not you can improve upon your creativity but you can't teach somebody how to be creative so you got people that come in that want to be the next whoever but don't have that creativity and so you see it in their work it's very forced Mm -hmm. and it looks like a reproduction that just doesn't work because they don't have that creativity yeah i'd rather i'd rather fail at being myself than Fail being try, trying to be somebody else. Yeah. Or worse yet, succeed trying to be somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> I can never be <laughs> myself stuck, now. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, know, is, it, is it paying me a lot to be somebody yeah, else? That's true. <laughs> I, if you look at Wes Craven, remember Wes Craven, you know, uh, the director of the Nightmare on Elm Street and all those kind of movies, uh, Last Hill on the Left. Um, he, he wanted to be, he didn't want to do horror films. Like he did not want to make them. But he was stuck. Yeah. yeah. Like after a while, he couldn't get out. Like he did a movie called, um, oh God, it was called 500 Violins, A Music of the Heart with Meryl Streep and Gloria Estefan about like violins. I missed teacher- that one. <laughs> it was so good. I love that movie, by the way. It's a really great movie. Um, it's called uh, Music of the Heart. It's a really great little film. And I think he was working with Miramax at the time. So in order to do like Scream 2, he's like, look, I'll do Scream 2 you're going to give me music of the heart. And they gave him music of the heart. And, um, but he wanted to do those kind of films. He wanted to be taken more seriously uh, out of the genre of horror. Mm -hmm. And then he did, um, but he could never break out of that. Yeah. It was kind of his bread and butter. And it was kind of like, you know, it's like Hitchcock making a comedy, which he did make some dark comedies, but, um, but at a certain point you got to stay on, on, uh, on brand. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. It's, and, and you the see that with actors all the time. You see that with actors all the time. And they, you know, yep. they play comedic roles. They play comedic roles. And they're great dramatic actors, but nobody takes them seriously. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how you know, he's the, the Jim Carrey's of the world, Bob you know, William. who are like, you know, that this guy's bumbling all the time and he's hilarious. But then when he tries to be serious, oh, that's a flop. We don't want to see it. Yeah. You know, but I think he's a great he's a dramatic brilliant. actor. He's just, a, you and know. On the moon. 
Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh. But even uh, then, it's like, all right, he's playing a comedian, so we'll take that. Yeah. You know, Ruben, yeah, no, it's I just so many he's got. What's yeah. the new show that we watching? Kidding, kidding. Yeah, yeah. Have you yeah, watched that? Yeah, I and it's like that's not funny, but he does great in it. Oh, it's kind of funny. It is. Well, I think <laughs> it's it's funny, but it's funny in a it's just in a like, really it's not dark. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's <laughs> it's not intentionally funny. It's yeah. just you know it's funny in its own way, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But you know, it's the, the character is so dark. Yes. Maybe that's what the show needs. I yeah. think maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but I, I enjoy. I love when I see that. When I see an actor go somewhere else, I'm like, oh, I got to see this. Like, and where we, are they going with that? Yeah, we do that as as filmmakers too. You know, we. Would do want to do a comedy and yeah, I write all over the place. Yeah. Comedy's easy we to have, write. We have certain genres, I guess, that we are drawn to more. But yeah, you know, we've done comedies, well, we've dramas. The, the, the comedy, when I say it's easy to write, it's like it's it's so much easier to do like a five minute comedic skit. You know, that's you could pump those out, but it's I I like drama. I like comedy, but I like dramas. It's just yeah. you know, I take more work and money. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think the Coen brothers nailed it. Like, yeah. you know, they did Blood Simple and then they do Raising Arizona. Right, right. right. And then they, and then they established themselves as like, we're going to do whatever we want to right. do. And that's that's key. You know, like when I did This Is Meg, people were like, but you did Broken and Red Princess Blues and these action, like thriller kind of things. I'm like, and then I did Ego and Desire, which is kind of has no action in it and no one dies, um, <laughs> except except for people's dreams. But um <laughs> But but I was like, no, I'm just gonna do whatever the hell I want to do. I'd love to do a good action movie, you know, good, you know, you know, Die Hard esque, Lethal Weapon esque '80s kind of action movie would be amazing to do uh, if it has a good story, good characters. Um, but I love other kind of genres as well. It's just whatever, you know. You shouldn't pigeonhole yourself uh, as as an artist. But again, we have such an expensive uh, art form that if we have to talk to somebody else to get permission. They're going to go, well, you were successful in this one place. We'll give you money for that. Yeah. But we're not going to give you for music of the heart. That's just crazy talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but if you keep the budgets low, you have the freedom you to do whatever do you want. Like the Duplass. Like the, yeah, blue, the Duplass. Do Duplass yeah. do whatever the hell they want because they keep those budgets really low. Yeah. Yep. And they've established early on in their career. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said that my dream is to be able to like afford to live in our house at not freak out if something breaks on the car. I don't need a fancy car. I just need like, oh, okay, we can fix that. It's not a problem. And then just to be able to make our own films. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't, they want to become millionaires before they want to be filmmakers. They want the money and the fame. And I just so happen to want to have that because I make film. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter what gets them there. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I I don't, I'm way too introverted to ever even want to be really popular. (laughs) (laughs) Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. (laughs) Uh, But you know, I don't know. I just I just want to be able to live yeah. and make films. And so I, I have a, a huge respect for people that, you know, yeah, you, you sometimes got to do the bullshit film that you don't want to do. And one but, for the meal, one for the yeah, real. Yeah, one for the meal, one for the real. And then you get to. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you know? I love that one. I haven't heard that one before. One for the meal, one for the real. I'm going to steal that one. That's <laughs> it's all yours. And that's yeah, that that's that's our dream is yeah. one for the one for the meal, one for the real. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that was always. But, yeah. But uh, um, the one thing I think is if, if your goal is just to be able to live comfortably, not rich, but live comfortably and create art while you're doing it, then figure out how that works for you financially. Mm-hmm. Just have to think – you have to think that through. Like, okay, what are the real raw numbers? How much do I need to live right. comfortably at, at, the, at the lifestyle that I want to live at right now for the mm-hmm. next year or two? 
Okay, great. That's the lifestyle. All right, great. Now, what? how much money do I have to put into my art? How much money do I have to put into my art? Or what do I need to do to get that $3,000 budget, $5,000 budget to go make that feature or short or whatever I want to do? And then if you're going to invest that money, okay, how am I going to recoup that money? How am I going to at least break even so I can continue doing this? Right. Mm-hmm. That's And that's the key. And if you're able to do that, because people get so caught up with like what you were saying, it's like, oh, well, I want to be a millionaire or I need to live in a big mansion. I live in Hollywood Hills or I got to do this or that. Dude, that 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 takes time if it'll ever happen even. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just look in front of you like, this is what I have control of right now. Mm-hmm. And if I have control of this right now, okay, what can I do to make this happen? And that's exactly what I did for myself three, three and a half years ago when I launched Indie Film Hustle. I'm like, okay, what do I need to bring in every month so my wife won't kill me? (laughs) So how much do I need to bring in? Okay, I need to bring in this amount of money. Okay, great. So I'm going to do that. And then as that started to happen, as that started to grow, I was like, okay, great. Now what do I do? Okay, boom. And I just kept growing and growing with it to the point where like, can I do this now full time? I'm like, I think I can. Mm -hmm. And now I can do that. But it takes time and hustle and hard work. Mm-hmm. And if you guys, anyone listening to me or I know you guys, you follow me, you see the amount of work I put in. Yeah. You see the amount of hustle I put in into this over the last three years. It's not quick. This is not a quick game. Yeah. It no. takes time. All right. It's, it's not called indie film hustle for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like your podcast. Look, you've got you know, what, 28, 29 episodes. Yeah. yeah. So if you do an episode a week, in a year you have 52 episodes. In two years you have over 100 episodes. Yep. And all of a sudden, you look back and you go, holy crap, we got 100 episodes underneath us. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is just a little bit every day, a little yep. bit moving you every day. And as long as you are passionate about it and love it, it's, it, it helps Easy. make it easier. Yes. It's the only reason that you can do all the things that you yes. do is because you love it. Otherwise, you'd you'd be miserable. You might as well just go work. Uh, in jelly beans. Yeah, in jelly beans. I might open up a jelly bean. By the way, jellybeanshustle.com uh, is yeah. coming up yeah. <laughs> 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 so what what do you have coming up um well funny you should ask oh, oh, really? oh interesting funny you should ask i actually have um there's actually two things coming up um and i'm going to announce one of them one of them next week sometime i think the other one will probably announce soon thereafter so it might actually hit here before it hits anywhere else but first thing i want to talk about is a contest uh, that I've, I'm running. Okay. Uh, I'm partnering Challenge up. I, accepted. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, heard about this. I didn't even mention this in Doesn't the pre-show. Doesn't matter. I'm content. in. <laughs> so I feel I've, I've teamed up with a company called Filmmaker, uh, and we're going to be offering a contest. It's going to be a, a three week, uh, submission process where you submit a pilot for a web series. And that web series uh, is based on a theme, so we'll give you a theme. I forgot what it's, I think it's making it or, or uh, make it till you fake it or fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. I think it's the theme. I, I don't remember right off the bat, but that's I think the theme. And you got to create a series around it. So you send a pilot in. It's uh, I forgot. I think they're charging fifteen bucks for it, so it's not that big of a deal. It's a mission fee. If you're ex- if you if you win, four people will be selected, and you will get five thousand dollars to make the pilot. Nice. Mm. And those four, the winner of those four will get $25,000 to make the series. Oh, wow. Okay. So that is going to be through Indie Film Hustle and through Filmmaker. Um, if you want to get access to that contest, it's going to be at filmmaker.com. That's F I L M 
A-K-A.com. I'll put a link and in the show notes for that. Yeah, yeah that's gonna, it's not live yet. It won't be live. I think, I don't know when we're launching yet. It's either going to be mid-January or beginning of February because okay. I want to make sure I have plenty of time. That's when it's going to happen. Uh, but I, 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 you know, I partnered with them because I wanted to give opportunity. And by the way, these guys who were talking about filmmaker, uh, Deepak, who is the owner of it, the CEO of it, he is an Oscar-nominated producer. And he created filmmaker to... Uh, give access to people who don't because he came up, he came up as David Lynch's driver. Yeah. <laughs> That's how he started. He came up as David Lynch's literally driver, and he worked his way up where he then produced um, films like Slumdog Millionaire, mm-hmm. Life of Pi, uh, any uh, the Sense of Sense Eight on Netflix. Oh, okay, any film that has anything doing with India or Indians in it, <laughs> he's there. He is the dude. So all of those he produced and he's been doing this contest for about seven or eight years and he's produced because sometimes it's web series, sometimes it's feature film uh, scripts Mm -hmm. and he's produced six feature films. They get they get a million bucks to make the movie. And last year's winner of the web series, uh, their show got picked up by HBO. Oh, wow. So this is a serious contest and there's serious people behind it. So it's not just like a. Oh, a little contest. Like these guys are actively looking for talent, actively looking for people that they can help nurture in the business. That's Great. what the, we the can't point even is. submit and win now because they're going to be like, well, of course they gave it to them. They had them on the show. <laughs> <laughs> With the picking of it, I am just out that. But no, he's, you can submit. He's spreading the message. Yeah. I spread the message is what I try to do. So that sounds really, and, really, really fun. Really, I love, I love those. I love contests because. Yeah. Like we do, you know, Film Riot, you know, we've had Ryan Connolly on the, oh, sorry, did I drop a name? Let me pick that up. Uh, <laughs> had him on the podcast. But they always used to do their, Shameless. they used to do their like little, you know, make a five minute short, a two minute short. And we would always do them yeah, because it's, it gives you something to do, right? It gives you boundaries to work within. So contests like that is stuff that I, yeah, if I you love can, those if you, if you can make a series for $25,000, imagine what you can do with $100,000. Right. You know, and a series, I mean, you can make a film, you can make a web series for $25,000. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do it easily. Very yeah, doable. you can. Very doable. Very comfortable pilot for five grand. Right. You know, I mean, it's it's not going to look like, you know, uh, Lord, uh, what's it, Game of Thrones, but it's <laughs> not supposed to be. It's a web series. So um, that's what we're going to do. And then, of course, the pilot winners and the series will be on Indie Film Hustle TV uh, nice. as well. So it'll be streamed on uh, on Indie Film Hustle TV. We will have Deepak on soon. Because his story is insane. Sounds from David, David Lynch's <laughs> from David Lynch's driver to the Oscars. That's a long way. Yeah. He's yeah. a very, very interesting uh, cat. And I wanted to have him on the show as well to promote this stuff that we're doing. So I'm very excited about giving that offer to out to the tribe. Um, and uh, you'll you'll see a, a very unique podcast where I'm going to say, I want to give you $25,000. Right. I think a few people on it. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I agreed, and I didn't even know what the terms were. <laughs> and then my second thing I was going to talk about that I have, I'm very, very excited, is I have a book coming out. I, I just finished writing a book uh, about the worst time of my life. I've mm-hmm. never met this on the, on the podcast. Oh, uh, Ooh, you're hearing it here, folks. <laughs> By the time this airs, it might be on the podcast. But Damn before it. then... <laughs> Um, but the thing is, I've never mentioned this story, and and I and I'm very open with all of my failures and, mm-hmm. and successes, 
career and because I need content. So I have to, I, I just dig from my own, my own past. But um, this has been, this is extremely a personal story and it, it is the most um, difficult and brutal story of my entire career. It is the story, uh, if, if you want, I'll just read you the synopsis. It's really sure, quick. Yeah. It's just the best way to explain what it is. Yep. A bipolar gangster, a naive young filmmaker, and Batman. What could go wrong? Alex Ferrari is a first-time film director who just got hired to direct a $20 million feature film. The only problem is the film is about Jimmy, an egomaniacal gangster who wants the film to be about his life in the mob. From the backwater towns of Louisiana to the Hollywood Hills, Alex has taken on a crazy misadventure through the world of the mafia and Hollywood. Huge movie stars, billion-dollar producers, studio heads, and of course, a few gangsters populate this unbelievable journey down the rabbit hole of chasing your dreams. Would you sell your soul to the devil to make your filmmaking dream come true? By the way, did you did we mention the story is based on true events? No, seriously, it is. Wow. Well, it was nice. <laughs> wow. It was nice knowing you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the book is called Shooting for the Mob. Wow. wow. I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. I'm intrigued. It was it was honestly one of the most brutal times of my life. I was stuck with this gangster for about a year uh, of my life. I was 27, just three years before I'm broken. Um, and uh, I I got just caught up in the in the mob life mm -hmm. uh, with these. Guys. And you know, our production offices were on a racetrack. Um, <laughs> I can't, I really can't even make this stuff up. That I mean, literally. The first things I say that in the book. It sounds like a Scorsese open, film, just yeah. saying. <laughs> no, 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 wait, no, wait. So the first words of, in the book that I re I wrote is like, it's, it's one page. It's like, this, the story you're about to read is, is completely true. And if, you, and if you don't believe that it's completely true, I should get a fucking award for fiction. <laughs> so it's like, because it's absolutely true. Um, it's, uh, I was, I was locked up with these guys for a year. It, it, I was, my life was threatened, uh, weekly or bi-weekly. Um, he was bipolar. So you would never know who you would get. It's basically Joe Pesci from Goodfellas. So like that one time he's like, when the, they're funny, man, they're hilarious. Right. And it's the coolest guys you can hang out with. But at one moment they're like, why am I funny? How am I so funny? Yeah. Right. That's how you lived. I lived for a year. Um, dealing with this kind of mobster that I was dealing with, an ex-mobster, a, a real habilitated mobster. And, um, but that wasn't the best part of the story. The best part is Hollywood actually took him seriously. So I was flown out to LA and I met, I met Batman. I went to Batman's house. Uh, one of the actors who played Batman, I went to their 40 or 50,000 acre ranch mm -hmm. and hung out with him three days after Christmas um, talking about the movie. Uh, I met billion-dollar producers. I'm at the Chateau Marmont meeting with a huge, you know, huge billion-dollar actor. I'm at the Ivy. I'm at the uh, I, I'm at the Spagos. I'm like, and I'm 27. I'm green as they come. Yeah. And I'm just like the head of you know CAA, one of the guys that founded CAA, which I didn't even know he was a, a, the guy when I met him. Um, you know, I'm I'm watching this gangster literally make one of the biggest, hottest directors of the time, which I can't tell you who it is, but maybe off air I'll tell you. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I literally, literally saw this guy piss himself wow. when my monster said, hey, man, how you doing? I, I mean, I can't even tell you the story. Well, I, I can't tell you. It's in the book. Um, so 
it is, it is, it's an, an insane journey uh, that I want to put out. And I did. It took me 18 years to write it. Not meaning I wasn't writing it for 18 years. It only took me <laughs> right. a year to write it. But it took me 18 years to finally get the courage to do it. And I wanted to write it because I wanted to show people how not to follow their dreams. Um, <laughs> how not to lose themselves in the chase of the golden carrot. How not to um, uh, change their morals uh, and change their common sense just for that golden carrot. You know, and it's one thing for someone to tell you about the golden carrot, but it's another thing when you're sitting across the table from Batman. Yeah. And, you know what I mean, and talking to him or talking to these producers of movies that are, I mean, you, if I tell you the movies, you'll be like, holy crap, you met that guy? Like, those are the people I was meeting. So, like, it was real. So, you're that close to the dream, but it get, get, kept getting pulled away, pulled away until it finally. You know, I won't tell you how it ends, how I got out, but I'm obviously out. Yeah, uh, and have been. I was look, and I don't want to make it seem and like got, I was like you got all your fingers there, right? Let's see, <laughs> ten. Okay. All, um, but I don't want to make it sound like I was in the mob. I wasn't in the mob. I was with a gangster, an ex mobster. Yeah. Um, and I did hang around with ex mobster types. I wasn't like running crews or anything like that. This is not. <laughs> um, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I was hanging out with, you know, like I shot a trailer for this script that I rewrote for the gangster. And I said, Hey, we need some extras. Sure. I get my boys to come down and real mobsters show up with real guns in their holsters. And I'm just like, all right, let's move on. <laughs> and set up the scene over that was the world, man. I almost went bankrupt. I was like days away from signing for bankruptcy. My girlfriend left me, uh, you know, every, everything. It was just the worst I mean, it was an oppression for two years afterwards. Because, wow. I mean, can you imagine being so close to your dream at that right. young age mm -hmm. for so long? It wasn't like it just, oh, I had one meeting. Many meetings, many times, you know, talking to huge people and it getting yanked away from you at the last moment. Mm -hmm. um, again and, and again till it finally gets pulled away completely. You're just like, and you've lived a life, a year of your life right. is in this. Yeah. Like you don't know anything else. Like when you do something for a year and that's all you do for a year, when you walk out of that, you're just like, I don't, I don't even know who am I? What yeah. am I doing? Like, I, I only, I was only that dude. So right. it's such a brutal time. Especially when it's um, but I hope so it does emotionally some, impacting. Oh, I was crying when I wrote, wrote some yeah. of these scenes, wrote some of these chapters. I was like, I, cause I didn't want to go back there. Yeah. Like I would literally go, I would skip a chapter because I knew I was in that chapter. I'm like, I don't <laughs> I'm not ready. Like, I'm not ready yet. Now I can talk about it. It was very cathartic for me. I mm. can talk freely about the entire experience. But before I would, my wife doesn't even know this whole story. Like she's going to have to listen to the audiobook to get the whole story. Oh, good. There's going to be an audiobook. <laughs> as we speak, uh, I, I'm recording myself. Um, but it's, um, it, it was, it was, I just hope it does some good out there for the world and, and really helps, helps people get perspective on chasing their dreams so you know and in many ways you did i kind of sold my soul to the devil yeah for that shot and uh and what happens is pretty insane so i've never heard of a story like this uh and i study this kind of stuff so uh hoping the book goes well does well but that's gonna happen it's uh the website's called shootingforthemob.com with two o's okay um and uh it will be available for pre-order sometime in January on Amazon, and then we're going to be doing a book, you know, launches. I and mean, if you follow Indie Film Hustle, do not worry; you will know <laughs> all this book. 
Um, it is going to be one of my big pushes for um, 2019. I'm going to be doing book tours, uh, hopefully some media appearances, uh, autograph of the crap, you know, the book tour autograph yeah, yeah. thing. Workshops and things like that as well. So um, I'm really hoping to get out there uh, a lot with them um, with the book. And again, I hope it does some good out there. It, but it, it is it is as raw of a book as I've ever read. And people who have read it, they said, "Holy crap, man! Like you did not leave anything on the table." I'm like, "Nah, it's 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 a soft underbelly of what I went through, yeah. and it's pretty revealing." So I hope I hope I think all filmmakers need to read this. I think it should be priority reading. For any film school, because not because I wrote it, but because this is what the real world is like, right, yeah. and you do people do make these mistakes. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe extreme is this, um, <laughs> you know. But you go into a job, and in that job, you uh, you know you start doing things you weren't you didn't think you would do before to try to get up in the in the business mm-hmm. or try yeah. to that next level, and and you sell yourself out a little bit. Uh, and that's where the mistakes lie because it never ends well. Mm-hmm. It never ends well when you do that. Um, it'll get you to a certain point, but after that, like I don't even know what would have happened if I would have made that film. Like I have no idea. Oh, and by the way, my, the, the gangster was my agent too, but we'll, that's in the book. Oh, jeez. Oh, All right. Yeah, so there was, no, there was no conflict of interest in there as well, <laughs> so don't worry. It's, it's fine. Oh, no, 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 I could continue. I mean, there's so, it's an onion, man. There's so many layers, so many little stories, so many things that were going on, uh, and it all took place around 2001. So it's, uh, wow. yeah. Well, I look forward <laughs> to reading about this catastrophe. <laughs> I look forward to having you read it to me. Yeah, because he, he, I'll, I'll actually read it and he'll listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I drive a lot. And then, so. exactly, and, and it, and it is, and by the way, it isn't all doom and gloom. I mean, there is a very happy ending to it, and there is a, uh, there is something you know that kind of lifts you up at the end. Because yeah. when I was writing it, people were like, "Dude, you, you've got to have something happy." At the end. <laughs> so, this is pretty. Like yeah. you're be- like I feel so bad Does this for book you. Like, come no, with no. Xanax? Like what? <laughs> we should put that in there, right? Yeah. Um, no, but it's um, it it is it it does have a happy ending. I talk a lot about it. I do, do talk about indie film hustle in it. I do talk about uh, what I'm doing today. We talk about broken and what happened and all that kind of good stuff as well. So it does have a little bit of a happy twist at the end. But nice. um, but life always doesn't have happy endings. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but it, I hope it does. I, again, I hope it does some good out there. Good deal. Oh, I'm sure. But yeah, I'm sure. Well, I want to read it already, yeah, and I know I, I, I know I know a lot of details of the story, and I'm already I'm like, there's there's more, there's more. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's so much more. <laughs> so much. And I do, by the way, change all the names of everybody in it to keep the rules to keep smart. all your fingers. <laughs> uh, to keep all my not only to keep all my fingers, but all the locations were changed, other than Hollywood. Um, and anybody that we actually meet, the rules of the book are this. I set my rules up. If we can, we speak about stars, right? And you'll hear those names. You know, Robert Downey Jr. and other places like people like that uh, were in the mix, uh, but we never met. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we actually met or spoke, their names are changed. So Batman is called Batman in the movie, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, there's a there's an actor called T Rex. You can put whatever you want to that. Um, <laughs> and and uh, you know, and, and come Mr. Big and all these kind of stuff, Mr. Big Shots. I, I yeah. kind of create little fun names for these actors that I met and producers that I met and things like that. So um, just to protect the innocent and the guilty, specifically the guilty. So how much is the decoder ring? To- <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sell a special course to tell you all the little names. No, you have to uh, sign up for Indie Film Hustle yeah. and yeah. TV and... <laughs> 
I, you get I, into well, code room. I mean, I'll, off off the record, I'll tell you guys who Batman is, but um, on the record, I won't be able to tell anybody yeah, yeah. else. Yeah. I, I I just do it purely because I don't no, want yeah, to. No, yeah, totally, yeah, no. I, I just want to. I be don't, respectful. Yeah, want to be respectful, and uh, you know, you know, Jimmy is the name of the gangster in the movie. Uh, I, I call it the movie because I, I want this to be. <laughs> it's gonna be. Uh, I can see well, it already. No, the, the the thing was that the reason I wrote the book was the cinematographer I met in in the book uh, 18 years ago. He's now an ASC cinematographer, and uh, he's been one of my best friends for those 18 years because we went through hell together. <laughs> and um, he's been pounding me for a de- over a decade, almost two decades, to write the screenplay. Mm. Said, I'm not going to write the screenplay, dude. If I, who's going to give me money for a period piece about a filmmaker and a mobster? It makes no sense. I'm not going to waste three years of my life chasing money for this. This is, makes no sense. And then he finally came up with the idea. He was like, well, you could write a book. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Damn you worse. and your logistics. Yeah. And, goes, and if you write the book, if the book's a success, then maybe they'll option it for a movie. I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. All right. I mean, I'm right. just, I'm just, and I'm not, I'm not saying it to, to be funny, it it sounds like something Scorsese would do. If they were like, oh, Scorsese's next film is about the mob and filmmaking, I'd be like, of course it is. Yeah, That's a story right well, there. Marty, there is Marty uh, associations in the book. Uh, oh. So you'll read about them. Come on, it's gangsters. Of course they're going to know people who know Marty. Yeah. <laughs> of course. What are you talking There's about? Marty's, Marty's angelic? Uh, I, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he's a god in the mobster world. Are you kidding me? Um, but look, I hope I, I could only hope and pray that someone like Marty would, when I can, you know, call me up and go, "Hey, I'd love to produce this for you." I'm like, "Yes, Mr. Scorsese, that would be awful." <laughs> he's gonna call you and he's say, "He's gonna say, I was listening to Go Gorilla." Yeah. And yes. I heard the, <laughs> as, as I usually do, as one does. Yes. And, as one uh, does. I heard about the story of yours. <laughs> Well, I, I'm going to be um, – if if, uh, if anybody out there is listening to Filmmaking Podcast, <laughs> I might actually be on a few of them in the coming months talking about this book. So <laughs> prepare yourself. All right. Sounds good. Nice. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you so much for being on yeah. the show. Oh, my God. That was a thank you for having me. Thank you for having me talk so much. I appreciate it. We love well, to you, talk. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love to talk about it. Hour and a half? That's yeah. just – that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, awesome, guys. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Thank you again. And I hope I was of, of some service oh, uh, to your audience. And um, and then again, if anybody wants to check me out, I'm on IndieFilmHustle.com. It's the best way to get a hold yep. of me. Yep. And IndieFilmHustle.tv is uh, for the service. We'll yeah. have all the links on there yeah. so everybody can check you yeah, out. What's your socials so people know those? Uh, everything's always at, at Indie Film Hustle, except for Instagram, which is iFilmHustle, because Instagram and I had an issue. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> but everything is normally Indie Film Hustle. That's great. All right. Awesome. Well, that's where you Very can cool. find him. Go look for his stuff. Definitely do, uh, because I did, and, you know, I'm telling you to. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough and of a reason. Goes, that's it. That's it. It's gorilla Guys, approved. Thank you. It's gorilla approved. <laughs> thank it's you so gorilla. much. Right. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Thank you guys. Bye. Bye. Well, that was was a lot of fun. Yeah. I really like Alex. I've been listening to his podcast for a while, as I as I've stated. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, hey, there's enough space, there's enough room for more than one filmmaking podcast. So <laughs> check his out because it's really good. Yeah. I, I mean, listen to it. 
you know, it it probably doesn't have as many listeners as we do, but right. Hopefully, he can gain listen, a couple from us. Give you the know? guy a chance. You know, and he's then, he's str- he's he's struggling and he's hustling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I cannot re- wait to read that book. By the way, yeah, I cannot yeah. wait to read that book. It's gonna be we really we got some. Um, Oh, we got we got some, some insider some info. insider info just so as you know. So definitely read the book. Yeah. I'm well, it's not in the book. Well, it's you could figure it out. I think maybe probably, maybe not I maybe don't know. maybe not. But just read the book. I can't <laughs> wait for it. I'm going to listen to the book because I that's what I do. We're like, all right, we're going to end this interview and don't hang up because we want all the details. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Seriously. So yeah. Um, so thanks, thanks so much for Alex for coming on. Yep, that was uh, we really appreciate it. And check out Indie Film Hustle TV. There'll be links in the show notes for that because uh, I love what he's doing over there. Yeah, I really do. I'd like to be able to take part in that uh, little uh, contest. Yeah, yeah. yeah I say we'll... I'd like to, but I'm sure you'll still be working on Neptune yeah. when it drops, so we won't have time to yeah. do anything else. Yeah. Who knows? Whatever. We shall, we shall see. Mm-hmm. Um, so shout, shout outs. outs, shout outs, shout outs to uh, Steady Geekin, Reality Bomb Comicast, Mega Brain Comics, Perry, Perry, Indie Film Hustle, and um, you, you all. Everybody oh, I thought listening. you meant me personally. No, I was like, oh, that's care. sweet. Shout out to you. You're right here. <laughs> Fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening, and uh, tune in next week when we may have a guest or we may not have a guest. You'll have to tune in and see. <laughs> It's a secret. Build build suspense there. Bye. Bye bye. We couldn't decide on a song. We We couldn't decide on a song. We We couldn't decide on a song. So we came up with this one.